This is Alan Seaborn from Winning at Home. Welcome to In Progress, a podcast about faith, life, and how we grow. And in this episode, I want to talk about something that I'm guessing that you probably are just about as bad at as I am, and that's waiting. You know, waiting is a part of life, um, but that doesn't mean that we do it well. But we're used to waiting at traffic lights, in lines at the store, or for the tip-off or coin flip of our local team's game. But anytime that we can avoid waiting, we do. You know, we binge watch shows on Netflix if there's a good cliffhanger because we don't want to wait to find out what's next. Uh, We get our groceries delivered from our local supermarket. And if we can't find it there, we get everything else delivered from Amazon with Prime. And it's, I mean, even that feels like, oh, it's going to take two days. If you live in a big city, you've got that, I forget what they call it, Amazon Instant or whatever, where you get it within hours. Because waiting is not something that we want to do. It's not something that we value. Our waiting is really only something that we can even tolerate if we know what comes next. So then, what happens when we're dealing with real-life kind of stuff and we find ourselves waiting, even when we don't want to? Um, When I thought about what that looks like, I thought about the fact that we all know waiting, right? And we find ourselves reaching out to God and asking him to step in and make things right. And we find ourselves saying, God, make this situation between me and my coworker right. You know they took advantage of me or manipulated me. God, make this situation between me and my wife right. You know that we both said and done things that stretched this relationship to the breaking point. But we don't ultimately want that. Or God, make this situation between me and my child or me and my parent right. We don't want to be estranged. We don't want to cut someone off or be cut off out of somebody's life. Or God, make this financial situation right. Provide the insurance for the treatment, the income to support the family. Help this budget stretch further than it seems like it can stretch. Or God, make the situation with my health right. I'm sick. Somebody I care about is sick. Please heal. Or God, make this situation with grief right. The loss still hurts too much to even put into words. But you see the pain. Bring healing. And realistically, uh, all these prayers, they end the same way. They end with us saying or leaving it unsaid, I've waited long enough. And you know, when I think about waiting, I, I really can't help myself but think about the Old Testament. Because now that we know that Jesus came as Messiah, as the fulfillment 
of all of God's promises that he wasn't going to abandon his people, that he wasn't going to uh, leave them destitute on their own, that he was not going to be punishing forever. We can read through the Old Testament and we can kind of go, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, got it. Yep, this is how it is. And yep, they were in the middle of this, but everything worked out in the end. Because we know the fulfillment of all these expectations and of all these decades and centuries of waiting. But I want to stop and think about that for a moment because for the people whose stories we read in the Old Testament, that even though there was affirmation or reaffirmation of the covenant between God and his people with God and Abraham, with God and Moses, with God and then the kings, King Saul and David and Solomon, God continually reaffirms to his people that they're his people and he's their God. And yet, they still found themselves a whole lot of times. If you read through the Old Testament, I really think you walk away feeling like Man, in in a lot of ways, this is the story of people waiting. And like I say, we can easily skip over it because we know that ultimately uh, Jesus came. The promise was fulfilled. And God's people, on a scale that they never understood, were reconciled to him and had the opportunity to be his sons and his daughters on a whole nother level because of what Christ would do. And so we can skim through and go, oh, yep, you know, it must have been tough to be in the middle of that stuff for a while, Um, but eventually everything works out. If you take that long-scale view, it's definitely something that we can find encouragement and hope in, but I think that it does us a disservice because it skips over the waiting. And I think it skips over the lessons that we can learn out of that because we so often find ourselves waiting. So I want to read a little bit of a passage from the book of Lamentations. I'm guessing that that's not a book that you've read all that recently. Uh, The book of Lamentations was written after the fall of Jerusalem, and most of the people of Israel are in exile in Babylon. And so Lamentations is a five-chapter book that is going through and talking about what it feels like to be disconnected, what it feels like uh, to not be in your land anymore, to be cut off from the temple the place that they had the opportunity to offer sacrifices to and to worship God, what it feels like to be displaced from your home, what it feels like to have lost some of the people that you care about in the battle that led up to this displacement. And the entire book of Lamentations is um, a discussion, really, on what it feels like to wait. So I just want to read the end of chapter 5. So this is the last book 
of or the last chapter of the book of Lamentations, and this is how the whole book ends. So I'm going to read the final uh, 10 or so verses. Lamentations 5.14 The elders are gone from the city gate. The young men have stopped their music. Joy is gone from our hearts. Our dancing has turned to mourning. The crown has fallen from our head. Woe to us, for we have sinned. Because of this, our hearts are faint. Because of these things, our eyes grow dim. For Mount Zion, which lies desolate, with jackals prowling over it. You, Lord, reign forever. Your throne endures from generation to generation. Why do you always forget us? Why do you forsake us so long? Restore us to yourself, Lord, that we may return, renew our days as of old. Unless you have utterly rejected us and are angry with us beyond measure. That's the end. That right there is how the book of Lamentations ends. God, please do something. Uh, unless you're angry with us beyond measure. Waiting, right? Now, usually the moments where we're waiting and we're trying to figure out the next step, uh, they're not on that scope, that scale of things, right? We face situations of waiting all the time, but a lot of the time what we're doing while we're waiting is we're thinking, man, are we going to get that promotion that we deserve? Is there going to be enough money to pay the bills at the end of the month? Um, if you're in the dating phase, will that guy or that girl text me back? Um, if you're in the young family phase, should we uproot the family and move across the country? Or what school should the kids go to? Or at work, will that big deal close? And if it does, how long until I get my commission? But there's the heavier stuff too. Are we both willing to work to make this relationship last? Will my teen make good choices when I'm not around to guide them? Will my wayward child ever return? Will my cancer come back? Will we ever be able to have a child? Will my relationship with my parents or siblings or kids ever be restored? Like I said, uh, we know waiting. But to be honest, we don't really value it because it's hard and it hurts, and it's unknown. And I, I think future being unpredictable or the present feeling unpredictable puts us in a spot that's so scary that it can almost be paralyzing because we're waiting and we really don't know what's going to happen. I, I've talked to you in multiple episodes about my health stuff being really what leaves me um, waiting 
And if you've been listening all the episodes along the way, sorry, I'll give just a quick recap. But if you're just jumping in, this is the first episode or you haven't heard me talk about that health stuff. Uh, I've been dealing with a undiagnosed health issue for the better part of a decade. I feel dizzy and lightheaded all the time. Focusing on conversation takes lots of extra effort. Uh, So does reading, writing, preparing sermons, and being in ministry. Those things are pretty much my complete job description. And I find myself waiting. And there have been a couple things that I've come across that in the midst of this waiting have really helped me. Uh, one, if you've listened to um, to the episode about meditation, I shared in there that uh, I have uh, an app that I use sometimes that I like. It's called 10% Happier. Uh, there are plenty of other meditation apps that I'm sure are great as well. That's just the one that I use. And in one of the Uh, guided meditations on there that I'll use if I'm driving and I'm not going to have, you know, time to just sit quietly throughout the day or if I'm really worn out and I think if I just sit in total silence, I'm going to fall asleep. I listen to these guided meditations and one of the lines in there, this guy says, um, talking about dealing with anxiety which is often the result, right, when we're waiting. One of the lines that he says in there is he says, I'm not going to have a fight with reality. And I don't know if that line hits you the same way that it hits me. Uh, Maybe not, that's fine. But for me, when I hear that, I'm reminded of how much frustration and how much anxiety and how much just plain uncomfortableness we find ourselves feeling in the midst of waiting and we start to push back we start to like that line says have a fight with reality I love that picture because I think it's you know for me when I'm doing things that are not healthy that are not helpful it really helps me uh, to get this visualization of how ridiculous what I'm doing is, right? Having a fight with reality, you're never going to win. Here's the situation. Here's what you're dealing with. Like it or not, you can be mad all you want. You can throw a tantrum all you want. You can try to pretend like reality isn't reality, but it's not going to help. It's actually just going to make you more frustrated, more worn out, more run down, more all the stuff that you're trying to avoid thinking that you can fight against it, resist it. Um, There's also another idea that I've come across that's really uh, connected with me. And I don't know, maybe as I share this, you're going to be like, oh man, that's a little out there. If it it is for you, that's fine. Um, But as I've been getting into meditation, You know, I've been looking into more and more of the ideas around it. And if you're reading about meditation much at all, it's not going to take long for you to come across 
um, the idea of Zen, right? And if you're like, oh, that's scary, I'm out, you know, it's okay. I'm not like trying to convert anyone to this or anything, but I really believe that when things are true, I think truth is God's truth. And so even if I come across something that's in a, a, a different vein of thinking or in um, kind of a, a religious setting that doesn't line up with what I believe God wants us to do and how he wants us to live our lives, I think finding truth in the midst of that doesn't mean, wow, this other thing is right. It means, wow, that's a different way to get at God's truth. And so Zen has this idea that in life, all suffering is caused by either attraction or aversion. And so whether we really want something to happen or whether we really don't want something to happen, um, we create suffering because, like I said before, we're trying to have this fight with reality, attraction or aversion. And when I really understand what that means, I get that in the midst of waiting, what I'm doing is I'm compounding my pain and my frustration by spending so much of my energy wishing that life were different than it is. Now, the thing is, um, what does it mean? What do we do to wait well? Um, I think it looks different for different people. Because, you know, what does healthy waiting look like? Because uh, that's probably not what we're doing right now. Uh, begrudgingly moving through life, constantly reminding God that he needs to resolve something to prove his existence or to prove his love or his care for us. That's not waiting well. Uh, only viewing our preferred outcome as the way that we could ever be satisfied or happy or fulfilled, that's not waiting well. Trying to manipulate or blackmail God into doing something, anything, just to let us know he's there, that's not waiting well. And to be honest, we can't pray the Lord's Prayer with any honesty if we're not waiting well. Because we, we don't actually buy into the idea of your kingdom come, your will be done. If we're still holding on that tightly to our plans for the future. If we genuinely mean we want his kingdom and his will to happen here on earth, that means we have to give up control. Really, that's the illusion of control over our circumstances. Waiting well means that we actually would need to submit, which sounds terrible. And I'll be honest with you, it actually is terrible for a moment. 
the buildup is really especially bad. We worry about what giving up control would cost us, um, how painful it'll be, how it'll expose us. We don't want that. Being exposed is an awful thing. But what we find after we submit, and I really believe that's something we, we only know once we take the steps toward obedience, is that submission puts us in exactly the spot we need to be in. Uh, it sounds really, really bad on paper. Sounds really, really bad to try to be convinced of it from somebody else. And the beginning of the process is really, really bad as we experience it. But on the other side, man, we experience freedom, life, and a lightness that only comes with surrender, submission, and giving up control. And some of that stuff that, you know, sounds like cliche when we hear people talk about them, they turn out to be true, at least to some degree. You know, my wife, Annalise, she's really artistic and craft-oriented, and she makes greeting cards and personalized shirts and aprons and picture frames and stuff like that. And I've joked with her that she needs to make this light, this uh, like line of real life spiritual sayings. So instead of putting on a mug or something too blessed to be stressed, I told her she should make one that says too stressed to be blessed or too disappointed to be anointed or too hateful to be grateful. Because that's what it feels like some days, isn't it? Maybe more often than some days. Um, I, I'm sure that idea of flipping those things around isn't original to me, but I think it's funny. <laughs> you know, even as I joke around about stuff like that, um, I'm thinking about how actually living that way, uh, that's not waiting well. If we let anger, frustration, disappointment, disillusionment turn into bitterness, we're obviously not waiting well. And I, you know, to know what it means to wait well, it's kind of hard to put our finger on. Because each of us are different, each situation we're in is different. There's no like prescription that I'm, I've got for advice that's, hey, this is going to work for every action, reaction, word, thought goes along with waiting. Uh, instead, waiting is kind of judged by taking a look at our own inner experience. I know that might sound a little bit out there. But God works powerfully in our inner world. And to downplay the importance of our thoughts, emotions, motivations, um, I think it misses what it looks like for us to surrender. Because 
that's what waiting well looks like, is taking this stuff that we thought we were totally in control of, or we at least thought we had some measure of control over, and instead of gripping onto it so tight and thinking, man, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make sure that things work out the way I want them to. Instead of doing that, to slowly, in the beginning, start to loosen our grip on that stuff that we're just trying to keep such tight control over. And ultimately, releasing further and further and further and letting go. You know, as I was... um, saying that last few sentences there. I actually was mimicking it with my hands. I started with my hands really tight. and I started to just really slowly open up, open up, until I got to the point of just totally open, palms up, total. I mean, that's what we think of, isn't it, when we think of surrender. I want you to feel what that feels like Maybe it makes sense for you to do that, mimic it with your hands. But maybe for you, um, you know that that's not what you're doing with your hands. That's what you're doing with your whole spirit, with your outlook on life. And you're waiting, but you're mad about it. You're waiting, but it's only because you haven't figured out how to grab back control. You're still living in that world of having a fight with reality. And I can tell you that what you're doing, it totally makes sense. Um, But it's not going to help you. It's going to be totally counterproductive, even though it feels like the entirely most rational thing that you can do in the moment. Grabbing that control back or thinking that you have control in the first place It's not going to bring hope and help and healing in the midst of waiting. What I've found is that the only way to find that stuff is through surrender, is through letting go. And unfortunately, that's not a one-time thing. That's not a, oh, cool, I did it today, and now I'm good for the rest of my life. Um, We try to grab back control and we try to re-engage reality with that fight again and again I do what I found is that the only way to wait well is to surrender to trust God and to say you know what this isn't what I would choose this isn't what I want to go through right now but God, I'm, I'm not in control anyway. I need to lean on you when I feel so out of control, when I feel so angry from having to wait, when I feel so, God, like you are just abandoning me totally, when I really relate to the end of Lamentations. God, restore us to yourself that we can return. Renew our days as of old unless you've utterly rejected us and are angry with us beyond measure. Remember that that was what a whole people felt like. 
because that's what waiting feels like. And in the midst of it, we've got some options. We can be angry. We can desperately try to grab back control. Or we can surrender. Surrender is the hardest of those choices, but it definitely is the healthiest. From my experience, it's definitely the best. So in the midst of your waiting, even if it's really big stuff that you're like, yeah, but I I don't know how to plan the rest of my life if I don't know the answer to this. I don't know what I'm going to do if the answer to this isn't what I'm hoping that it is. Um. I get that. I, I was going to say I've been there, but I guess I could more accurately say uh, I am there. I'm waiting right along with you. And what I'm finding is the only way that I experience peace is through surrender.